I just wanted to show the legs, because as I was telling you ahead of time, you're going to walk home with more than maybe just a trophy tonight. I think lots of men. I'm not going to walk home with any men tonight. I'm going <laughs> to go hang out with my friends, and then I go home to the cats. Over the years, Taylor Swift has been known for many things, being a global superstar, a talented songwriter, and a role model. However, there's one other thing that Taylor has become synonymous with, and that's having a plethora of famous boyfriends. You know the drill. Taylor's too clingy, her boyfriend breaks things off, and then Taylor retreats to her evil lair to write a scathing breakup song about him all while playing the victim. In this episode, we're going to deep dive and dissect Taylor's man-eater image. We'll be talking about how she got this reputation, how it affected her public image and career, and then what Taylor herself has said about it. This is perhaps the biggest part of Taylor's reputation, and we can't wait to get into it. Welcome back to Our American Queen. I'm Emily. And I'm Erin. And let's get started. Okay, and let us start out the episode by talking about the clip that we opened up with. Yeah, let's address that clip. Yeah, I don't want to just leave it there and not say anything about it. I remember seeing that clip for the first time and being so disgusted by it. Yeah. Like, the audacity. And I think that clip in particular encapsulates what we'll be talking about in this episode, which is this idea that the media seems to have about Taylor, that she is just obsessed with guys and she never thinks about anything else. And that's basically all she's around for is just to be with different guys. She's a boy crazy teenage girl, even though she's 30 and has been in a four-year relationship. Yeah. And Taylor, to her credit, had a very good answer and remained calm. Yeah. And I love the, um, I love how the interviewer said, you're going to be going home with more than trophies tonight. You know, the trophies don't mean as much as going home with a, quote, a lot of men. Yeah. Just all around, not the greatest clip. And I love how Taylor gave it back to her. Yeah. So I think that's just a good way to show what we're trying to talk about in this episode, which is titled, Taylor Swift is a man-eater. Yes. Taylor Swift is the biggest man-eater in Hollywood. She still is to this day, honestly. Yeah. Even though she's been with her boyfriend for, what, three years now? Almost four years. Yeah. Yeah. One guy for four years exclusively, but she is a man-eater. Yes, she is. All right, so the way we're going to break this episode down is we're going to go... Well, first we're going to talk about Taylor being boy crazy. So let's just start with that. And then we're just going to progress through the episode and talk about how this impacted the rest of her public image in relation to dating. When you think about Taylor being boy crazy, Erin, what do you first think about? I think about the people who say... All Taylor does is write songs about her exes, all these breakup songs, it's all she's good for. Kind of like Taylor has said in interviews, I see the YouTube videos like titled All the Men Taylor Swift Has Dated, mm-hmm. All the Famous Men Taylor Swift Has Been With. Her big crop of ex-boyfriends. Yep, it's huge, Erin. It's a huge group of boyfriends, yep. even though Taylor has been on the scene for more than 10 years. Yep, it's not even like a boyfriend a year, is it? No. (laughs) So, yeah, let's just talk about that for a little bit. Um, Do you want to read a quote? Yeah, let's read Taylor's interview from Glamour UK. This interview is from 2015, and Taylor says, quote, 
I think the media has sent me a really unfair message over the past couple of years, which is that I'm not allowed to date for excitement or fun or new experiences or learning lessons. I'm only allowed to date if it's for a lasting multiple year relationship. Otherwise, I'm a quote serial dater or quote boy crazy. The narrative has been so wrong every time it was the same. It's Taylor spotted talking to this guy. She's chasing him. Yeah, I really like that quote because she kind of raises a point that I don't think I've ever thought about, which is that that is the narrative that's created is she's she must be dating these guys because she wants to marry them. It's like courtship or something, like dating with the purpose, you know, like like she's, the Duggars. She's not uh she's not courting them, I guess. She's just dating them and maybe some of the relationships are more casual than others. And that's just kind of what people do is they date around to see what they like. And I feel like that's probably what she was doing. But instead, it was like, oh, every single guy she's with, she must have the intention of marrying. That's such a good point, because before I read this quote, I didn't think about that aspect of it. Yeah. Where, like you said, the it really was she is dating for marriage, basically. Mm-hmm. Like she was in her 20s. And late teens, early 20s, and beyond. And that's the time when you figure out what you want in a partner. She was dating all these different people to see what she liked. And it wasn't even that many people. And yeah. she, and why couldn't she date for fun, like she said? Yeah, I never thought about that uh, point of view. And I thought that was really interesting to read, especially coming from Taylor herself and her view of it all. And she even went on to say in this interview, what else is it when you have two boyfriends in one year and everyone's calling you boy crazy, making jokes about you? That's public humiliation, and I don't think it's fair. Yeah. So we can see how this really affected Taylor and her mental health, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's just annoying. Like, I'm not even, obviously, anywhere near Taylor. I'm not her friend. I'm not Taylor herself. And I get annoyed by it, just being a fan of her. It's like, is there really nothing else you can talk about when you talk about Taylor than the men she dates? Like, please, let's not always just talk about that. Yeah. In a Vogue article from 2016, Taylor said that her fame has kind of been distilled into what she calls my incredibly sexist men of Taylor Swift slideshows. And again, kind of along the same vein, she says, you know, I went out on a normal amount of dates in my early 20s and I got absolutely slaughtered for it. And it took a lot of hard work in altering my decision-making. I didn't date for two and a half years. Should I have had to do that? No. Yeah, and that's what we talked about in an earlier episode of our podcast about the squad and how she took a break from dating and instead focused on friendships. But of course, yep, when she focused on the friendships, then there's an entirely different narrative that was created about that and how... She's exclusive, blah, blah, blah. Go listen to our squad episode if you haven't already so you know what we're talking about. But yeah, that's got to be very frustrating. Yeah, it's just crazy to me that she thought she was doing this thing where she was going to stop dating and get better press because she was sick of getting the press for all of her dating. And then the media found a way to still come at her with the squad stuff. Yeah. And I will say there is... Uh, side to this where you know Taylor is a famous person and her personal life is in the public view and it's up for speculating and, and it's up for talking about however I think what she says is true that her fame should not be 
reduced to just who she dates because obviously that's not why she's famous. She's famous for being a singer and a songwriter and I don't know if people talk about that as much as they do the personal side of it, which again, I can kind of see that side where with all of these celebrities, their personal lives are kind of what draw us in, but at the same time, that's not why they're famous, you know? Yeah. I found this really, really disgusting article from the New York Post from 2013, and it was called Taylor Swift is the Ultimate Player by Reed Tucker, who is a man. Mm-hmm. And in this article, he said, It's only recently that the perception of Swift has morphed from virginal to man-eater. After dating, among others, Joe Jonas and Taylor Lautner, Swift's recent dalliances with political heir Connor Kennedy and English boy band member Harry Styles seem to have moved her romantic exploits into parody territory. And you have to wonder, did this kind of spark her idea of blank space? Yeah, and I was going to say it kind of reminds me of the man because, and we talked about this before we recorded the episode, Taylor is obviously, like we've said many times already, known for this boy crazy image. However, we were thinking, are there any celebrities who are men who also have a similar image? And we thought of Harry Styles and John Mayer. And then I said, I think it might be a little bit different because with Harry and John, the idea that they're a womanizer is maybe sort of seen as like a good thing, even though it's not a good thing. It's seen as admirable. Whereas with Taylor, her having all these boyfriends and being, quote, boy crazy is like, oh, she's a crazy girl. You got to stay away from her. She's going to write a bad song about you. And it's seen as a totally negative thing. Definitely. I can see that. But going back to Blank Space, that song is a parody yeah, of the image that has been created for her in the media of a man comes into her life, she treats him really well for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, she buys him all this stuff, they have a great life, and then she goes nuts, she goes crazy, she's way yeah. too clingy, she throws his stuff off the balcony, she burns his stuff, mm-hmm. and at the end of the video, a new guy comes up. Yep, so that she can repeat space, the same pattern maybe. because, you know, every relationship Taylor has has a pattern. Oh, yeah. Uh, I still think to this day, Blank Space is probably one of her most well-written songs and the most clever of her songs. I love that. And it's, also Shake It Off, too, when she yeah. says, I go on too many dates. Mm-hmm. I can't make them stay. Yep. Uh, <laughs> let's go into our next kind of category, which is that Taylor only dates famous guys because she needs the clout, mm-hmm. she wants the fame, and she needs to stay relevant in the tabloids because she can't stay relevant without a man by her side. Yeah, and let's, for this topic, read a BuzzFeed article, and this is sort of, I don't know, is it considered infamous at this point? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, It's the How Taylor Swift Played the Victim for a Decade and Made Her Entire Career by Ellie Woodward. And in this article, there's a quote that says, As Swift's celebrity status increased, her love interests morphed from anonymous crushes from high school to famous men. When these relationships ended, the media reported the drama and Swift did what she's always done, write about her experiences. 
but as she once said, this writing was mostly about heartbreak or pain that was caused by someone else and felt by me. Whether or not she desired the attention, presenting herself as a victim of the betrayal of famous exes fueled media coverage. Then the article goes on to talk about her relationship with Harry Styles, and they say, or she says, in an apparent bid to link the heartbreak inflicted by Styles to the next phase of her recording career, Taylor tweeted just days after their split, back in the studio, uh-oh. This tweet enabled Swift to push the narrative of their breakup beyond the logical endpoint of its news cycle. By suggesting she was going into the studio to write songs about Styles, she created interest in an album two years before it even materialized. Yes. So this is kind of talking about the fact that Taylor dated famous men because she needed to stay relevant and sell records. Yeah, and that the men she dated was a career strategy. Yes. Which, you know, I think there probably was an aspect of that that's true. But as you were saying with me earlier when we were talking about this, really, realistically, Taylor was an absolute global superstar. Especially when she was. Well, I'm talking about when she was dating (laughs) Harry. So during the Red Era is probably when she got the biggest, Mm -hmm. and then she has sustained that now. But she was such a huge superstar at that time. To me, she really didn't need Harry. And also, like you were saying earlier... Who is she really realistically going to date as a global superstar? Exactly. And then I also said in Delicate, you know, obviously when she's talking about Joe or in Delicate, it's more about her reputation and her fallout. But I think the point that she says, like, you must like me for me still gives you a glimpse into how Taylor feels about her fame and probably feels like if she were to date someone who's not as famous as her, maybe... They're in it for the wrong reasons. Maybe they only want her fame and not her. So I can kind of see where dating someone as famous as her makes her feel a little bit more secure, perhaps. Yeah. And in terms of her being a fixture of the tabloids, I guess her dating life did make her that. It boosted her image because she was dating all of these guys. And if she wasn't dating famous men, she would have not been in the tabloids as much and not been in in people's minds as much because she would have just been minding her own business. Yeah. And with this point, or with this particular aspect of it, the point I really want to make is that without these famous boyfriends, I firmly believe Taylor would be just as successful as she is today because the reason she's successful is she's very, very talented. She's an amazing songwriter. She has great songs. And in my opinion, these famous boyfriends really just elevated her name recognition, made her a household name, and made her, like you said, a fixture in the tabloids. But I don't think that that really impacted her level of success because the people who like her music like it because they enjoy it. It's not because, oh, this song is about Harry Styles, so therefore I love this song. I don't think that's it. That's so true, too, because when you think about it, self-titled and fearless are just about normal people that she dated before she was famous and Joe Jonas. But people didn't listen to those albums, and she didn't win Album of the Year for Fearless 
because it was about one or two songs were about Joe Jonas. So mm-hmm. people were already listening to her music before she started dating famous guys. Yeah. And I do think there's an element where her fans like to dissect the songs and like try to figure out who they're about. But I think that's just an added thing. That's not the heart of why people like her music. I personally never even cared. No, I didn't either. I didn't even know until recently that 1989, like, was a... I knew style was, but the rest of the songs I didn't even really realize were about Harry, so... Yeah, we really just listened to her music and loved her music because we just enjoyed it. And, yeah, like you said, we did not know anything about her personal life. We're not following it at all. Just really loved her music and listened to it all the time. And Taylor used to do the hidden messages... Yeah. In her CDs where she would uh, capitalize some letters in the lyric books to make a secret message of the song. So like for All Too Well, she had maple lattes, which is what she drank with Jake Gyllenhaal when they had that famous picture of them that the paparazzi got. So stuff like that. And I think the maybe underlying point that those quotes that I just read in this article were trying to say is that in these relationships, Taylor honestly was very private with them. Like, we could use the example of Harry Styles. They were only photographed a couple of times, and, like, maybe their relationship was a short period of time, but you could really say that for all of them except for Calvin Harris. Like, these people she dated, they were only photographed a couple of times well I guess Tom Hiddleston's also an exception but anyway the point is she never spoke about them she never commented on these relationships and then that's why maybe they think her music was successful because people would then turn to it to hear what she had to say about the relationships which I don't necessarily agree with yeah it was probably like half and half like some people didn't really care and then some people were kind of into that which it's fun Yeah. And Taylor did it for a reason, to put the secret messages in as, like, a nod to her fans and to connect with them deeper. And, yeah. Yeah, I think it's honestly probably just a combination of everything we've said. Like, she just gravitated toward famous guys, maybe, and then realized that that could work as a business strategy and then did the secret messages and kind of stirred up interest in her albums through the men she dated. But, you know... I feel like men have been using women to get ahead for a while, and no one really ever says anything about that. person who I'm thinking of right now is G-Eazy. Um, <laughs> we he's, about him in another he, He's always connected to different women who are more famous than him in a bid to gain relevance, but nobody ever really says anything about that. Yep. He did a song with Halsey. He... Mm-hmm. Um, has rapped about Lana Del Rey. He did a song about Ashley Benson. So pretty much everyone he dates, he connects to his music to get more listens. Yeah. And, you know, like, if that's a good strategy for him, then fine. But let's just not pretend that he doesn't do the same thing. Or not just specifically him. I don't have a vendetta against him. But I feel like that's probably somewhat common. And then we bring her up a lot, but somebody like Ariana Grande, I think is comparable to Taylor in the fact that her song Thank You Next names all of her ex-boyfriends. And then also on her album Sweetener, she has a song that's literally named Pete Davidson. Mm -hmm. 
I wonder if Taylor would ever do something like that. Definitely not now, but maybe in the past she would have. Yeah, I mean, I guess style is kind of similar because, you know, his name is in the song. I kind of love how Ariana did that, though. Yeah, she's just naming names. I love it. And she's another one who tends to gravitate toward famous men. Maybe not as famous as the men Taylor stated, but still, they yeah. definitely have a profile. And it definitely contributed to the success of Thank You Next because people wanted to hear what she had to say about her exes and her life. Yeah, and then... And I kind of love that because women can do that too. Yeah, and that's kind of connected to what I said earlier. People wouldn't go listen if they didn't know that they were going to be good songs. Exactly. And I think that's the most important point to make. Like, yes, Taylor probably had a business strategy behind this. Same with Ariana, but it doesn't matter if the music is not good. I totally agree with that. And there's a reason why 1989 won Album of the Year and Thank You Next was nominated for Album of the Year last year. So they're great albums. A not great song is Olay by Calvin Harris (laughs) about Taylor and Tom. Yeah. And there's a reason why that one didn't take off. It was a bit of a flop. Okay, let's get into our next category about Taylor's victim mentality when it comes to relationships. And just everything, because we know that's another thing people say about Taylor is that she loves to play the victim, which is true to an extent, but I feel like, again... The things people say about her are probably true, but they just run too far with it where it's like, okay, like step back. It's not that intense. It's not that deep. Yeah. So she does probably play the victim a lot, but it's not like, anyway, (laughs) anyway, we don't get too frustrated. (laughs) Pretty much all of the songs that Taylor writes, the media viewed as a petty act of revenge against the men that she dated. So Aaron, do you want to read... This quote from Vox. Mm -hmm. And the title of the article is A Unified Theory of Taylor Swift's Reputation by Constance Grady. And the quote reads, One of the big criticisms of Taylor Swift is that she writes songs about her ex-boyfriends in what can be interpreted as petty acts of revenge. She gets the last word on the story of their relationship and almost always, it's a story where Swift is the heroine and her ex is the villain. John Mayer, probably, is a cold-hearted user and dear John. Jake Gyllenhaal, probably, is clingy and whiny and we are never getting back together. And Harry Styles is probably toxic and dangerous and I knew you were trouble. So, I knew you were trouble is not about Harry. Um, They had not met when Taylor wrote that song. It is actually, most people believe about John Mayer. So, Mm -hmm. they're wrong. And it... It's funny because to me, Aaron and I, we talked about this before we started recording. To me, a lot of the songs that Taylor writes are not even that bad to her exes. No. Like, the song style is not bad at all because she says, I've been there too a few times where she's sympathizing with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will give them that Dear John is a very, very... um harsh song (laughs) but he deserved it yeah and that's the thing that annoys me probably most about this whole narrative is that how do we know that these men didn't do bad things to taylor like we weren't there for their relationship and yeah we don't know the other side but 
why do we just automatically assume Taylor's side of the story is 100% false? And what did Taylor say? Maybe these men shouldn't do bad things. Yeah. She'll stop writing about these guys when they stop doing bad things to her. But yeah, I think the idea of Harry Styles being toxic and dangerous is kind of funny. It's actually hilarious. Yeah, he's literally like the softest boy. It's really funny. <laughs> but that just goes to show, like we were saying earlier, his uh, image and his reputation was not really true to who he was either. We need a reputation album by Harry. Like, oh, I need it because really they're comparable, Taylor and Harry, in the fact that they were marketed so differently than what they actually are. So with Taylor, she was boy crazy, and with Harry, he was a womanizer, which couldn't be further from the truth. Now, did Jake Gyllenhaal ever, like, dispute anything that Taylor said about him? Not to my knowledge. Yeah, because I know John kind of got upset about Dear John. And it's funny because he's allowed to write Paper Doll, which is about Taylor, and Harry has written a lot of songs about Taylor as well, Mm -hmm. which they're all good, but... Why are these men allowed to write songs about Taylor, but she's not allowed? And also, Taylor didn't get the last word because John wrote Paper Doll after Dear John. Yeah, and then I would feel remiss to not talk about when John... I don't know how recently it was, but it was, like, way after they broke up, like, years and years, when he tweeted on Taylor's birthday that December 13th is the lamest day of the year, was it? Yeah, something like that. That was, um not a good look for him and I wonder what would happen if Taylor had tweeted that on his birthday yeah it's a hard life that I lead um John Mayer is actually my favorite artist and then Taylor is my other favorite artist so <laughs> um and then also Harry is my one of my favorite artists so um it's a lot but <laughs> yeah so do we want to move on to the next topic Sure. It kind of goes hand in hand with the last Mm -hmm. one, but Taylor always writes songs that cast the man as the villain. Yeah. And that does go with what we're saying, Um, which I, I don't really agree with that. I think if you know all of her songs and are familiar with the lyrics and all of them, you would realize that they're not all bad and actually most aren't that bad. And some even, sorry, and some even she takes blame for the end of the relationship. Yeah, like something like Back to December about Taylor Lautner is very positive towards him and she's saying that it was her fault. Um, Style, as we said, is very mutual blame to the relationship. And then going forward, something like Getaway Car is Taylor taking the blame. So, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not always her casting him as a villain and like I said honestly I think the worst one would be Dear John and I don't think anything really comes close to that in terms of uh like harshness I guess well the ones that the media runs with are Dear John I knew you were trouble and we are never ever getting back together yeah and that we are never getting back together is so tame exactly and so is I knew you were trouble so Uh, yeah. But I think as you come to know her her discography, you realize that she's not some mean... Cold-blooded? Yeah, she's not some mean, cold-blooded ex. She's just a normal person expressing her normal emotions. Yeah, it's kind of her job. (laughs) It is. (laughs) 
So this is from the same BuzzFeed article that we were reading earlier, and it says, Whether or not she desired the attention, presenting herself as a victim of the betrayal of famous exes fueled media coverage. It was convenient that the timing of these relationships coincided with the continued expansion of the gossip industry online. Swift's drama involved a sweet and unassuming embodiment of traditional femininity being repeatedly wronged by famous men. It was more old-fashioned, pleasant story for the media to tell. For Swift, it translated into record sales. Then came along Harry Styles, her relationship with whom would become the pinnacle of this victim-villain dynamic. Styles had acquired the label of One Direction's token womanizer through a series of quick hookups and breakups. Swift, on the other hand, was still building the narrative of an innocent girl next door. The combination of these perceived images had one certain outcome, narratively appropriate heartbreak. I find it weird that they called that relationship the pinnacle of the victim-villain dynamic. I, I don't see it. I don't either because... As we just said, Harry couldn't be further from the womanizer bad boy, and there are tons of YouTube videos you can watch where it's like the real Harry Styles, and he literally could be, couldn't be further from that. Um, yeah, I mean, just recently he was on the cover of Vogue, you know, obviously everyone talked about it, wearing a dress, um, which is great. Yeah, it's certainly not the image of someone you would say <laughs> is like some bad, bad man. And we can see womanizer. him trying to break out of that mold since he started his solo career, but it's very well documented that the members of One Direction were given very, very, very strict branding, and they all had to fall into a specific category that Simon Cowell created for them. Mm-hmm. The other thing, the other thing is, as far as I know, like, Taylor and Harry have nothing but good things to say about each other. Like, ever since their relationship ended, they just say nice things about each other so i don't see this victim villain dynamic at all even this year on howard stern harry said that he respects taylor he's flattered by the song she's written and they're great so and then right after their breakup didn't taylor say like he's my best friend or something yeah there's a clip from taylor on the talk where she said that she's very close with harry to this day we don't know if they still are or anything but yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, so I... They ended on great terms. Yeah, I don't know why they used that relationship as the pinnacle, as they said, but... If you want to say a pinnacle, it would be Calvin. Yeah. Um. Um. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where he was very vindictive when they broke up and was very rude. Yeah, and then... But with the end of that relationship, again... Taylor certainly did not blame it all on him because we have a song like Cruel Summer where it kind of implies there's like overlap and then in reputation with Getaway Car. There's not many songs about Calvin, if any. Yeah. I think that's pretty agreed upon in the fandom, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Anyway, again, just repeating the same point as earlier, it's these songs are not all like, oh, I'm a innocent damsel in distress and this big bad evil villain man came and he broke my heart and I'm so upset about it. There seems to be a big narrative in the media of them saying that Taylor embodies this traditional femininity. Some even go as far to say that she's virginal, like that guy in the New York Post. It just really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. It's like they're acting like her good girl image was manufactured when she wouldn't be as successful as she is if she wasn't a genuine person. Yeah, I do agree in a sense that that 
seems to be the way they wanted to portray her, which again, it wouldn't have worked if that wasn't actually who she was or still is. So there is that part, but I do think there is an effort to make her seem like a relatable, just like everyday girl. Yeah, and it's just going back to Harry, it's funny to me how they tried to portray him as this bad boy, but One Direction fans and his fans know that he's not like that at all because he's a very genuine person who's super sweet, super kind, Mm -hmm. very private, just like a really good person, and that came through for people, and that's why they really like him. Yeah. Um, So it's funny how he broke out of his branding and his mold, but Taylor is really the same person as they tried to, quote, brand her as. Yeah, because if she was, like, a total bitch, like, that would have come out by now. Yeah. (laughs) And if she was the complete opposite she was, like, Aaliyah Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If she was the complete opposite of how people view her, then that would have surely come out by now. So it seems like the branding is on brand. Very, very on brand. (laughs) Do we want to get into how sexism plays into this whole thing. Sure. And I think that opening clip is a great example. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that that was a woman. Women can be sexist too. Exactly. And then there's actually another clip, um, I'm sure everybody has seen it, of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler at the Golden Globes saying for Taylor not to go after Michael J. Fox's son. Mm -hmm. So just stuff like that. Just little She cannot control herself of going after every single man. Yep, and then of course Taylor had her infamous thing where she said there's a special place in hell for women who don't support other women, which might have been a tad bit intense, but go off. You know, that's how she wanted to react. So anyway, yeah, let's uh, read Taylor's quotes about this. One is something she said in Vanity Fair, which is, that for a female to write about her feelings and then be portrayed as some clingy, insane, desperate girlfriend, that's turning into something that is frankly a little sexist. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because Taylor is allowed to talk about and write about her own emotions, her feelings, without it being deemed as insane or clingy or she can't get over this person. She has artistic liberty, she has artistic freedom, and she can do what she wants. Yeah, and I mean, we have to believe that the songs she's written over the years are how she felt in the moment. And another thing is, her songs are genuine, and that's why people fall in love with them. Exactly. And they're relatable. Yes. The other thing. Uh, Do you want to read the next quote? Yes. Taylor told Esquire, I really didn't like the whole serial dater thing. I thought it was really sexist angle on my life. And so I just stopped dating people because it meant a lot to me to set the record straight. That I do not need some guy around in order to get inspiration, in order to make a great record, in order to live my life, in order to feel okay about myself. And I wanted to show my fans the same thing. Which is so cool because now we have folklore, which is inspired by other people and not Taylor herself. And it shows that she can write an amazing record not about her own personal life, and it can still be nominated for Album of the Year and a bunch of other Grammys. Yes, very, very true. I really appreciated the quote you just read because that is what these people are implying, Yes, is that she could not write a good song unless she has a man and a breakup. 
And, and she cannot sell the song and the album without a man that inspired the breakup. And that's so offensive. Last time I checked, Lover and Folklore sold pretty well, and she was in a steady relationship during both. And Reputation. Well, yeah, but that's about other people, too. I'm talking about... I know, but I'm just saying. But anyways... I think we all know that Taylor can sell a record without having a big breakup. And that's just another thing that's so true. Like, part of me is saying, oh, you know, the tabloids did help things along in terms of her getting her career going and the famous relationships helped things. But then another part of my brain is saying, well, she did win album of the year for Fearless without really any high profile relationship. And now she was the best-selling record of 2020 with Folklore without any kind of uh, marketing, tabloid stuff. Yeah, literally no marketing, dropped it the day after she announced it, so. But I think a lot of people think about 1989 and the huge marketing push, the marketing plan that was behind that album and how meticulous everything was and how people were like, well, people bought it because, you know, it's about Harry Styles. Yeah, which, you know, maybe some did, but I think most didn't. But not me. Not me. I remember getting it the day it came out, right? Yes. You got the deluxe version with all the Polaroids in it. Yes. Good time. And I could not have cared less about Harry that knew nothing about him. (laughs) (laughs) Knew nothing about their relationship. I was just like, ooh, new Taylor album. Yeah. So maybe we're outliers, but I don't don't know. I don't don't think think so. so. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure people would buy anything Taylor put out. Absolutely. All right. Then this next quote from Taylor is one that I particularly like. It's from a Beats One interview from last year. Yes. And she said, when I was 23, people were just kind of reducing me to like kind of making slideshows of my dating life and putting people in there that I'd sat next to, that I'd sat next to at a party once, she said. Noting that critics decided that her ability to pen lyrics was like a trick rather than a skill and a craft. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting thing to point out. It totally describes what a lot of these people in the media were saying. How, don't date her, she'll write a song about you. Um, She's doing this as a ploy to get record sales. That would be the trick. Yeah, like she's a one-trick pony. She can only write breakup songs and bash her exes. She cannot do anything else. And let's not forget, she wrote Death by a Thousand Cuts on Lover while she was in a long-term relationship. And that's one of my favorite songs of hers of all time. And she said she she can get inspiration from her friends' breakups, movies, everything. Yeah, and we know this. We know that Taylor is... Just an insane songwriter. It's crazy how good she is at it. And she does get inspiration from anything because that just seems to be how her mind works. She is like a once in a generation gift, I think. All right, let's read the other quote that she said in this interview, which I also love. She said, quote, It's a way to take a woman who's doing her job and succeeding at doing her job and making things and, in a way, it's figuring out how to completely minimize that skill by taking something that everyone in their darkest, darkest moments loves to do, which is slut shame. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. People back in the day when Taylor was younger, you know, late teens, early 20s, they probably could not believe that she was as good as she is. And 
they needed a way to rationalize her success, um, her songwriting, and really the only way that her songwriting could be successful is if it was attached to men that she dated. Yeah, I think that's definitely a part of what people believed about her was that it was just like a flash in the pan, like, oh, she's just going to come and go once she's done with the boyfriends, like, it'll all go away. But she's proven to this day that that's not the case. Right. But I just love that quote because I think a lot of people do try to minimize, especially women's success when it comes to the entertainment industry. Um, And they try to find any way to rationalize them being successful. Mm -hmm. And like we've said in the past, people are uncomfortable with Taylor's success and therefore they try to minimize her. And once she gained power... And success and wealth, people tried to cut her down because then she became a threat to them. Yeah. Another thing that bothers me about this is it is sort of implied that Taylor used all these men and just was not even present in the relationship. Just it was totally a way to just improve her career, boost it. And that just bothers me because that means all the lyrics you wrote about these relationships are just fake and not genuine, which is, again, offensive because these are, like, her real emotions, her real feelings that she's putting out there for everyone. She's being vulnerable. And I don't know, that part just... Well, we've heard a lot about her PR relationships. A lot of people believe that most of her relationships have been PR. Yeah, and I think... Maybe that's because she doesn't comment on them other than in songs, but... When you listen to the songs and you can connect them to different guys, I mean, those feelings seem real. Maybe they're not, but she's definitely doing a good job convincing me that they're real. Yeah, and it reminds me of in Don't Blame Me when she Mm -hmm. parodies this kind of thing when she said, toying with them older guys, just play things for me to use. Yeah. Which is what the media thinks um, that she does. And I remember watching a clip from The View Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they pl- they were talking about Reputation the day it came out, and one of the co-hosts was like, oh, Taylor has a lyric in one of her songs, and then they read the Toying With Them Older Guys line, and they were all like, oh, that's so disgusting, like, la, 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 la. You can check it out if you want to be annoyed, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of people kind of... They don't realize that it's literally yeah. a parody of... The point of <laughs> Reputation was lost on them, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, to close out the episode like we do, we're going to briefly talk about how this affected Taylor's reputation in the long run. Yeah, and like we said in the intro, personally, I think this is one of the biggest things she's known for. Yeah, definitely. When you think about Taylor Swift, you think of the famous boyfriends. And the breakup songs. The breakup songs, yeah. Even now, in a long-term relationship, that's something she still hasn't been able to get away from. I don't think a lot of people realize she's in a relationship, to be honest. Yeah. Because she keeps it so private. And I've seen, like, especially with the Biden stuff, when she endorsed him and all the people, like, were tweeting and it kept going viral. Like, oh, Taylor has always had bad taste in men. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that she is in a long-term relationship right now. Or Um, they just don't care and they just want to continue running with this idea, which is why I said she just hasn't been able to get away from it. So I think it's probably the biggest, if not 
the biggest, one of the biggest things that's impacted her reputation. And I think overall, it probably has been in a negative way. Definitely. Because for people who are not her fans and don't actively listen to her music other than the big hits, this is how people view her. It really is. Even to this day, I think it is how people view her. Um, Yeah, you think of Taylor Swift and you think of those, like she said, those slideshows that you see on YouTube or um, in entertainment media. Oh, here are the 17 whatever people Taylor Swift has dated. Yeah, and I maybe, maybe with the release of Folklore people have started to understand that she's actually a legitimate artist, maybe. But I think for the average person, if you were to mention Taylor's name, oh, she loves to write songs about her breakups and she has so many boyfriends. That's really like the number one thing. Non-fans, people who are not invested in her and in her music, think about Yeah, and it definitely follows her to this day. And just in that Beats 1 interview from 2019, we can see that. I think even in that interview, she says that if she sees a younger female artist be tied to a relationship, it makes her very, very sad and it makes her go into a dark place because she thinks about how she was treated in that way. Do you have anything to add to how it affected her reputation? I would agree with the same things that you said. I do think it helped her in some ways, but then also... If we take something like Harry, for example, she was given so much hate from One Direction fans and just the media in general, so I don't know if that was worth it for her to go into that dark place. There's even a video that's really, really sad of Taylor and Harry out and a bunch of Harry's fans push her to the side to get Mm -hmm. a picture with Harry and she looks really upset. So it's just stuff like that where you think about her mind at that point and if it's worth it to go through with all these famous relationships even if it was giving her more notoriety it probably took a huge toll on her well I think we have an answer it wasn't worth it because now she's with Joe and they're very very private and keep everything to themselves so I think she learned her lesson on that and will never ever speak about her relationship Again. Yeah, she said, if you give the media zero to talk about, you'll get nothing in return. Like, they won't talk about it. She Mm -hmm. said, if you multiply anything by zero, it's zero. So if she gives them nothing to talk about, they have nothing to talk about. Except for her music, which is, I think, the way she wants it now. That's kind of the dream, too. Because Mm -hmm. now they don't speculate on her dating life and she's only getting acclaim for her music, which is amazing. Yeah. And you love to see that. Do you think she regrets dating all those people? Uh, I say all, but it was literally like less than 10 people over like 10 years. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of hard to say. Just because I mean, yeah, yeah, just because even now she has to live with being connected to them. I think maybe, and obviously this is complete speculation, but if she had known how well it would work out or I guess if she had known how well it would work out to keep things private and still make music like she knows now being with Joe maybe hindsight she's like oh wow I could have done this all along and it would have worked out but then at the same time it's like well who knows if things would have been the same 
if one thing had been different, would everything be different today? I don't know. And like we said, even in her other relationships, in our opinion, she did keep it very, very, very private. Yeah. Except for, if you want to say, like, Calvin and Tom, because she put them on her Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. But just in terms of, like, not being captured by the paparazzi and... Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of... Huh. That is kind of weird to think about because, I mean, she and Joe have been photographed together. I don't know what the difference is between them and, like, any of her other relationships. It's just because Joe is less famous yeah. than them, I think. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yep, that is it. All right, I think that's it for this episode. Yep. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to follow us, we're at our American Queen Pod on Instagram, at our American Queen Pod on Twitter. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined. And we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope you have a great day. See you next week. Thank you.